Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely, as always I'm joined by Hugh Dempsey. Hugh, how are you? Hello, I'm okay Sam, how are you? Do you think I'll get that job at Radio 1? Um, maybe like Radio Caroline or uh, <laughs> I'll add it to Radio the show Luxembourg. Reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On yeah. the on the subject of uh, a wider um, listenership, we are now on the YouTube. You might be listening to us on the YouTube right now. On the the YouTube is is that because you followed a link on the Facebook? It's where all the kids are these days. Yeah. If they're not on the Facebook, they're on the uh, the YouTubes. Yeah. That's where that's, right. that's where people want to watch podcasts with no video, visual feature. I, I'm told. You're told. Who tells you this? The kids. Or the the kids. Or yeah. When I tell the kids, um, yeah. I've got a podcast. They're like, "Oh, you're on YouTube," and I'll be like, "No. Why would I? It's a podcast. Why would I put it on YouTube? But there's no visual element." And then they say, "Well, well I won't listen to it then." And you know, a cynic would say they're finding an excuse not to listen to me, but um, <laughs> on the other hand, I can't blame them because what am I doing in the park anyway <laughs> at that time of yeah. night? <laughs> going up to kids on swings. So really, you know, it's sort what of... Sort of kids are going on swings late at night. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, the youth, the youth. Yeah. No, no one's perfect. That's what I always say to the kids on the on the swings yeah. you know, selling drugs. Yeah. After I've told them about the podcast, it's on YouTube anyway. Um, surprisingly, we're called "Please Watch This Podcast." Um, what a shock! That is. Yeah. So uh, as we speak, um, some of the back catalogue is on there, but it takes longer than you'd think. So not all of it is. <laughs> yeah, so if you want some variety, then yeah, or if you look want a job, <laughs> um, yeah. putting stuff on the YouTube, uh, we can't pay, but uh, we will give references, but not very nice ones. Well, within the what's the law that you can't you can't you don't have to be you can't be negative, can you? But you just you can be honest. I think is the, is the uh, so uh, do same. a good job, and we'll be as honest as we possibly can be. Yeah, so internship. Speaking of. Things that aren't very honest. Uh, what's this week's <laughs> film that we're doing? Oh, good. Right, I see what you mean now. Uh, this so week's film is Sicario, or um, I, get, I chose the wrong week to give up smoking. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's the third Denis Villeneuve film we've been doing. Uh, we've done Blade Runner 2049. And That's Under Trois. Under Trois. Uh, for the French-Canadian listeners. For the French-Canadian listeners, of which there are some. None. I mean, none, none is a number, so there's a number of them. There's any number of French-Canadian listeners, so get in touch. Yeah. If you are French-Canadian, get in touch. Find us on Twitter at pleasewatchpod. Get in touch via email at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com if you want. Yeah, you can Comment on us. a video on YouTube. Yes, but, or apologise in the comment section of a video. <laughs> We're told engagements with is good, and we won't, we probably won't ever monetize. so... We just we just want to feel validated for all this yeah. effort. So we just know. we won't monetize. Just so you just so you fucking clear YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> sure we're not fucking monetizing this yeah. fucking shit. <laughs> we are not getting we are not getting to the top of those search results with that yeah. sort of talk. You fucking do that. <sighs> so this week's film, um, Sicario, directed by Denny Villeneuve, written by Taylor Sheridan, and starring some big names: Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, definitely not James Brolin, uh, his dad. Who I keep? Oh, I am going to keep referring to by accident. Josh Brolin, Benicio del Toro, any other big names? Oh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is there as well. So big names, good film, and such. Hugh had never seen it before, and I had once. That's how our podcast cinemas. works. That's how the podcast works. Works if you if you're new to this because of uh, how good we are at YouTube algorithms, um, then listen up. Each week, one of us hasn't seen a film that the other one has seen, and then they watch it. And then they talk about it. So, so um, we go. We go to the other one. We go. Please watch this. Film. That's it. That's oh, it. Yeah. And then you, as this. the listener, as a second hand, you could vicariously be given that instruction as well. If you haven't seen Sicario, we are going to spoil it. Um, so are. please watch this, and then come back and please listen. Listen to this. This. I've, I've used the pronoun twice there without actually using a proper noun like between them. But the first this You're an animal. was the film. The second this was the podcast. So. Sam, what's the uh, storyline to Sakai? Storyline, okay. It's quite a basic plot, really, and I'm going to get some details wrong because it's a bit twisty and turny and you don't know who to trust and such, but it's about um, uh, kind of American uh, government ages, agencies like the CIA, FBI, trying to crack down and control and such the Mexican drug cartels 
um, border police. Emily Blunt, she's kind of a she's an FBI agent who's um, mostly recruited. Involved. Yeah, she's recruited. She normally does kidnappings. There's a there's a sort of kidnapping bust that turns out to be linked to Mexican drug cartels. Josh Brolin is there as a CIA agent recruiting her onto a team to try to get at the people who caused this. And their job really is to get in and... Well, the point of the film is you don't know what their job is. Emily Blunt is this um, uninitiated person. We are her. She's the protagonist. We don't know what's going on. They're being very shadowy. You don't really know what Benicio Del Toro's character is or his role, but they know that they're going to do something that's going to figure out um, this cartel issue. This is where the spoilers come in. Okay, So this is spoiler territory we're going to go into now. Um, It turns out that their plan is to... Um, cause so much problems that that a high-level uh, cartel guy, Manuel Diaz, is going to go back into America and... Sorry, no, he's going to go back to Mexico. Sorry, excuse me, yes, back to Mexico, find his boss, they're going to trail him, and that will take them to his boss. Spoiler territory, here's the spoilers. So what Emily Blunt doesn't know is just how ruthless and shady and not-by-the-book... Um, Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro's character are. Turns out what they're trying to do is destroy one of the cartels so that only one cartel controls everything because that's what the way they liked it back in the days of Pablo Escobar. A lot of reference to Medellin. Um, the times in the... Was it 70s or 80s, that sort of time? Uh, yeah, it's like late 70s, 80s and then early 90s sort of thing. Do you know much about that? Is that something you've ever looked into, or did you watch? Um, I've, um, that, oh, I've watched. I watch Narcos, which Narcos, is the show yeah. about the. I think he's the DEA agent who gets um, sent down to Colombia to work um, and try to prevent the uh, the stop the war. It's part of the war on drugs, but obviously it's based on a book by the agent who he who the main character in that film is a real person. He was a real. Um, he wrote a book about it. Um, about the activities, but you know, when it's television, it can be um, yeah, a little bit more dramatized. Are, yeah, dramatized. Things are amalgamated, and it's not. It wouldn't be the most reliable source of information. I would. The uh, all I really know about Pablo Escobar is from when Vinny Chase on Entourage was playing him in, in uh, the film he did called Medellin. Now, Entourage is awful. Don't yes. watch it. Yes, it is. Just awful. <laughs> On every on every human moral filmmaking kind of level, I've not seen the film, but I did watch all I think eight seasons of the show. You <laughs> watched it. <laughs> By the time I got to sort of season four or five, I thought, right, like, this is what's it called? The, this lost, the sunk I'll, time I'll be policy or something. I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you, mate. I've never watched a full episode in my life because it <laughs> looked called? It's, looked bad. It's, there's some like sunk lost fallacy. I think it's kind of like you go, well, I've put all this time in. I might as well put more bad time, sort of chasing, oh, chasing, throwing you know, bad money after good, throwing bad money after good, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. It was anyway. Well, let's not talk about Entourage. Or we don't really need to talk about Pablo Escobar either. But it's drug cartel stuff. It's it's murky. It's all about how um, there's no easy solutions, and sometimes you've got to get your hands dirty to affect good yeah. change and so on. So. What do you like about this film, Sam? Why would you recommend it to me? What 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 got you on? What made it? What how did it make its way to the podcast this week? Well, I um the the reason why I really like this film is because it is absolutely expert at show don't tell. As I say, written by Taylor Sheridan, and a lot of bad films or a lot of mediocre films can't maintain this much mystery. You know, Emily Blunt literally yeah. knows nothing until around about the midpoint, about 55 minutes in, where she's told some of the plan, uh, eventually. But by that point, she's gone through a lot. She's gone across the border several times. She's seen death. She's killed somebody. Um, what the, the way that the way that it, it shows but doesn't tell is uh, in many different ways. The best example I can think of is when Emily Blunt first meets Josh Brolin's character and he's wearing sandals. And he's in a FBI building, uh, or CIA, anyway, yeah, I think it's an FBI building, and he's there, and they don't, they're not really deferent to him, they don't keep referring to him by rank, the way that they show that he's in charge, or that he's very powerful is, he's wearing sandals and a very simple shirt, he's not in a suit or anything like that, and it's a really excellent way of letting you know that this guy is um, important and respected and powerful and it's also played fantastically by Josh Brolin he's, he's very kind of ironic and calm and 
placid and cool and sort of contemplative and weirdly charming you know um so it's just really good at that and yeah it's just really excellent the show don't tell it builds it ramps up this tension at no point does it just lay it all out for you you're supposed to be trying to piece it together yourself and often that can be too much but um in a lot of films but i think it it really gets that line perfectly here um anything else yeah alongside that i think we talked about Blade Runner 2049 and Arrival before. Both of those films, I found myself drifting off a little bit to them when I was watching them in the evening because he does take his time. And it's one of the things that puts some people off Villeneuve and it's one of the things that makes other people love him. And I think this is, for me, where it's used best. It's not overused. And the constant mystery is what maintains my interest when it is quite long shots. It does, because I'm constantly trying to figure out what's going on, because I'm Emily Blunt's character, I'm completely in the dark. Um, Alongside that, Denis Villeneuve does like to work with Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, and he does an excellent job here. It's it's very distinctly Roger Deakins. Um, I don't know anything technical to say in terms of why that's good cinematography, but it looks beautiful and it kind of captures it without just having a yellow... um, you know, lens when you're in Mexico. <laughs> or a lens flare if you're, uh, if you're JJ Abrams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't have anything annoying like that. Um, so I think that's just really excellent. The other great thing, actually, about this is how reminiscent it is of The Wire. So The Wire, I know, is a show that Hugh hasn't seen. Um, but as it turns out, millions of people have. And it is excellent. And the th- great thing about The Wire is exactly what's great about this. It's show, don't tell. You enter a room, you enter a scene, and two characters are talking like there isn't a camera there that, that you know, they're not holding your hand through the scene, they're talking like those people actually would talk. And it's up to you to deal with it <laughs> you know um as in fact i'm going to quote the i'm going to quote the tv show community that we have mentioned before in the past um wait, where, wait. What, what shows this that i've <laughs> this show, never show called, watched all seen or heard of community that you might have seen um, all right, yeah. and they are doing a spanish test i think and troy says i didn't understand what was it i i understood i understood enough of the first half to get me through the second half and abed said like the first season of the wire <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like that you know i had to watch the wire with subtitles that's when i started watching everything with subtitles and watch it a couple times and you just see so much because because they're not just sitting down and, and you know recounting it for you when you look at benicio del toro's character and josh brolin's character when they're on their way to do these missions they're quite bored josh brolin immediately falls asleep when they get onto the private jet and it's because he knows, and so we'd be that bored if we knew everything. It's not a, it's not an hour-long procedural with a simple answer. It's got really complicated answers, uh, in much the same way that um, Jack Nicholson's character when he's on trial in A Few Good... Have you seen A Few Good Men? No. Right, we'll, we'll have to watch that. It's not really a spoiler, or I'm going to frame it as though it's not a spoiler so that it doesn't seem like a spoiler, um, where he's been, he's been asked about... Um, basically some bad goings on, you know, some some uh, with some, um, what do you call them, well, soldiers, basically. And he says, oh, I don't know the quote off the top of my head, but he basically says, um, you get to sleep cushy in your home knowing that's, that there's walls around you that are protected, but there are men who need to man those walls and look after, look after it in the night, but you wouldn't want to do that. It's basically saying it's more complicated, and this film kind of captures that. It's not like there's the good guys and the bad guys. Sometimes the good guys have good qualities sometimes the bad guys have good have, sorry, and good guys have bad qualities and actually the the answer isn't as simple as let's just legalize yeah. drugs or let's just put loads of money into it anything um, like another that. film that deals with that kind of situation to a point is um the 2018 film vice starring christian bale right where he yeah, plays I Dick that yeah there's a bit in that that's very poignant i'm not going to spoil anything that deals exactly with this with that issue that's kind of the crux of the film so i would recommend i maybe it's not a film i don't think we're ever going to do on the podcast but if you ever go if you have seen it you know the scene i'm on about if you haven't seen it it's definitely worth going away and watching because it's a really enjoyable film and uh, yeah i mean that that was a time when people were and tv shows were you know genuinely questioning if you could torture somebody to get information from them that would save a thousand innocent children from being bombed isn't it moral to do it? I don't know if that's it's very similar to the moral conundrum there, but basically, there's not a there's not a necessarily an easy, clean answer there. It's a zero sum game in some ways. Yeah. So Sam, what else do you like about this film? Well, those are really the main things. I think the other thing really to note is the soundtrack is just fantastic by uh, Johan Johansson. I think that's how you pronounce it. Maybe Johan Johansson uh, from Iceland. 
it's the drums and the percussion. It's a really, it's a very, very tense film. Incredibly tense film. When we get into favourite scenes, we'll talk more about that. But it really knows how to ratchet up without, with, again, without telling you anything. You're just there. The the soundtrack tells you that you should be scared, and and then you are. As a result, it terms of what I think you will like. Um, I know that you I love. Like? Hmm. Um, hmm. I know that you love two <laughs> Denis Villeneuve <laughs> films in in Blade Runner and in Arrival and. This film isn't exactly like them because it's a bit earlier in his career, but it it certainly shares a lot of the qualities with that. And I think you are interested in moral ambiguity. I, I don't think you necessarily, as much as you like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, I don't think you necessarily need your bad guys to be Nazis or space Nazis, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so or zombie think, Nazis. Or zombie Nazis, <laughs> the worst kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, you know, the, so I think I think that you will like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, what I think you might not like is the the withholding does have diminishing returns. You, the, the, you're told so little for the first hour of this film, essentially, that you can give up on it. There was a film I tried to watch that Ben recommended. I think it's called Brick with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it withheld so much and it was so mysterious. I actually didn't finish the film. I kind of just thought, this is not giving me any of the answers that I want really quickly or even you know slowly in this film um there's a great line from daniel kalua in this film which is there's in the dark and there's how you're treating us and it might be that you gave up on it um gave up caring because it was so long that they didn't really give you any information so yeah i think that that might be something i suppose films films of this nature do have that fine line between being like you said like procedural in in the fact that you're watching professionals at work doing something so there's going to be a a level of terminology that you're not going to be clued into because you're not in that environment but also obviously not not having it so dense that the audience can't follow at all yeah exactly yeah you have to be given enough to go on like say with the wire you know understanding enough for the first half to get you through the second half if you didn't understand anything you'd go well why should i care because i don't even know what the stakes are here i don't even fully know what the conflicts are it's really does lay out though at least here what the conflicts are and and sort of who you know not to trust anybody except maybe emily blunt's character i think the one of the criticism major criticism i have of the film is that emily blunt's character kate doesn't change or grow in the film Right. Okay. So again, kind of spoiler territory. By the end, she's just, but at the start, she is completely by the book, sort of robotic and and a, a Girl Scout. By the end, she's still by the book, and that is the central conflict between her and Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro. And at, at the end, she hasn't changed or even been kind of jaded by her experience. I think she just, I think she just stays too, too static. But anyway, that's enough of me and my opinions. That's my review. I, I really like this film. It's not one of my favourite films. It's not something I rewatched between seeing it at the cinema in 2015 and, and watching it for this podcast. I found I've forgotten quite a lot of it, but actually, I just think it's a really excellent film. So, after, join us after the break. Hugh is going to tell us uh, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and then give us his overall rating. So, Hugh's views coming up. Hugh's after this. views. Welcome back to Please Watch This. We are now going to hear Hugh's views. So, Hugh, what did you like slash love about Sicario? Um, so, what I really liked about this film is that there was that ambiguity to the storyline. That was the first thing that I really enjoyed about this film. That you you do, like you said, you spend the first like hour of the film not really knowing what's going on, which... It creates an amazing amount of dramatic tension. The tension just always seems to be ramping up in this film. It Constant just, tension, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's like Get Out. You know, you never because the Get Out's got that, that ambiguity as well, isn't it? And yeah, you're not sure what's happening. Yeah. yeah, it's got that kind of you know, it's like ratcheting slowly and slowly. And even when the film takes a, you know, it dials it back a bit. It then knows how to turn it back on again in a very specific way. And um, yeah, it's just that's that that. It's a masterclass in how you make tension. Um, and that's what I really enjoy about films is a good drama how that's meant to be like a thriller knows how to use, create tension that's authentic. Because you can create tension by, you know, a few tricks like with, you know, um, sort of tense music. You can create tension by having, you know, like 
horror films are famous for, you know, your jump scares. But, you know, I think a good example is I I saw a film the other day, um, a little known indie film called Star Wars Episode Nine. It's all the rage. Say, tell more, tell me um, more. I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything, but because of the nature of that film, there's bits of it where there's just no tension for the characters because you know that, well, we're 20 minutes in, it's unlikely that this character's going to die. So you know that that's kind of not good, you know, nothing bad's going to happen. Where in Sicario... It's interesting that, actually. Sorry to interrupt, but, you know... A good a good film can do that, you know. Like even in James Bond films, and you know he's not going to die. A good film do, that does that properly still makes you tense and care in that moment. Yeah, I think James Bond films they have the they usually have the tension of well, how does Bond succeed in this impossible scenario? Mm. It becomes a puzzle rather than a threat yeah. to his life. Yeah, and then the good thing they in good Bond films is it'll be the support characters that you're concerned for well you know like, oh well will that character die or will this character die or yeah yeah where with this the answer is definitely inevitably they will yes <laughs> yeah so and here you've got all those elements that make good tense thriller come together it's got like you said you mentioned the music's absolutely amazing like um there's one scene in the film where basically they they go from um, America into Mexico to go retrieve a drug lord um, who they want to interrogate. And like you were saying about Denny Villeneuve, his use of long shots is they use this over-the-head camera shot of this convoy of black um, SUVs going through checkpoints from America to Mexico. And the music's just played at such a tempo with a tautness mm. to it that you're just you're on the edge of your seat because you're like... This kind of, you know, these kind of cinema rules that you you used to teach you to say something's going to happen here, something is going to kick off, or you know, you wait, you you've, you're indoctrinated into wait, to believing that yes, I'm about to visit something on screen's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and in, in the same way that somebody, if somebody's, you could have a shot of somebody sat in their front room and the lights are off, um, and but if it's a if it's like a, a tripod camera you go well that's just person in the room if it's a handheld camera waiting behind a door mm. <laughs> you go all right well this this person's gonna die <laughs> you know there's a real thing going on here right now yeah yeah um what else i thought was good about this film uh so a bit to echo what you said the score's really good obviously the tension's amazing the it's well written uh the cinematography because of its you know the director knows how to direct films and knows how to do it well, and he's like, you know, you see his his signature of those long shots, which, again, in this film, like you said, they work. I think these do actually work really well in this film, more so better than maybe than Blade Runner, actually, I would argue, because there's a couple of long shots in that film which felt a bit unnecessary, where in this film the pacing was perfect. I think the pacing is the best of all three Villeneuve films that we've seen. I, I agree, he, yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think it's personally his best film, in terms of what it deals with, um, its subject matter, and um, and maybe obviously it's a few budgetary limitations, and you know the script is what it is. So you know it's it's not a, a it's a mid budget film rather than a big budget film that maybe Arrival mm-hmm. and uh, Blade Runner actually had more to play with. Uh, so yeah, it's got you know there was things like that. What else do I like about this film? I liked. The acting in it, again, there's superb acting in this film from Denise Benicio Del Toro, from Emily Blunt. She plays this, you know, like you said, she's not a naive person. She's, a, she's clearly an intelligent FBI agent who is good at a job. You know, there's a scene where they're like, oh, well, she's been kicking. They say in this interview, meet at... So at the beginning, you mentioned it already, there's a bit where um, Josh Brolin's CIA characters talking with her boss and uh, they're in the FBI meeting and her and Daniel Kaluuya, her partner, are sat outside of this meeting with like the higher-ups and there's a bit where they just say, oh, well, she's been kicking doors in since day one. So you know she's got an aptitude, you know, she's seen something very horrific. There's an almost horror film-esque scene at the beginning where they find all these bodies uh, essentially uh, cemented into the walls or uh, plastered into the walls and there's like about 40 dead bodies in there and it's just it's awful and you can so you see she's got clear motivation and you're just it's obtuse 
from the get-go of what's legal, what's right, what's moral, where where do they, they stand on this? You know, you get the spoiler about halfway through that actually that, you know, they use the code, they keep using the word medayin. Medayin gets mentioned three or four times before, you know, one of the characters, I think Emily Blunt goes, what does medayin mean? And they just go, it means control. Like you said earlier, it's about us controlling the supply of cocaine and narcotics from uh, South America and Central America into the US and if we can we can't stop it but we can have more control and then you know it becomes this morally grey film where you've got a character who isn't uh, she's a she's clearly an ethical person you know she's clearly her and her partner have these lines and but they keep crossing them they keep going further and further and it, you know it builds up to a, a marvelous scene at the end where she's her life is threatened by Benicio del Toro's character who up until that point or not up until that point but you know slowly everyone's roles are a, a gray and you know this film what it does is it asks questions and some films ask questions and don't give you the answers and you're left going, well, you could have answered that question. You could have, you could have addressed this and you've, you're, choosing the, you're choosing not to where this goes. Well, what are the moral consequences of the US's war on drugs? What is the effects that it's having on people on these border towns is like, uh, like Juarez and um, El Paso? And what, what are the, what's the human cost of it? You know, you see the human cost from a US citizen's point of view in terms of Emily Blunt you see the the collateral damage point of view from the uh, Mexican state police character who gets murdered by Benicio del Toro's character uh, just because he's in the wrong place effectively at the wrong time and he's a pawn used by uh, the US to get this control um, you see it from del Toro character point of view as well because he's also a victim of this um, situation because he used to be a prosecutor whose wife and son were brutally murdered so it's it asks questions like well what what where are the gray what are the gray areas where do you operate because you get Josh Brolin's character who openly admits and says we just needed a domestic agency to um, accompany us whilst we worked on our home soil effectively because the CIA remit is outside of the US it's not it's it's technically not supposed to operate on US soil it's operations but they've got this loophole and they're the loophole and you're and yeah. you're you know you're seeing it from their point of view um ultimately when they just realize they're being used um, and, it, and it all comes out in one conversation really it's not it there's a there's a sort of drip feed but really it's um they go into this fantastic tunnel scene where there's a lot of night vision and there's a lot of thermal vision it's just really beautiful like yeah. I say lots of long shots used really well you know they're going into an enclosed space where and it's been said in a previous scene we're not likely to see more I can't remember the numbers more than like 20 or 30 <laughs> people down there you know they're going to be armed and all this sort of stuff yeah. and she goes through all this she sees Benicio Del Toro's character um, shoot somebody take off in a police car with, with Sylvia the police officer um, and then she's pulls a gun on Benicio Del Toro, he shoots her, she's got the the um, bulletproof vest on, and then she comes out, punches Josh Brolin, and he, just very uncomfortable to watch, he drags her and sort of, you know, with sort of restrains her, doesn't he, against the wall, um, and then he yeah. kind of explains it, you know, when she says what is Medellin, like you say, it's a time when they could control things, and it kind of, it comes out in that, uh, that's quite a nice scene, rather than, having a 20 minute exposition sequence when she's being initiated into into this role and she's being recruited it's quite nice that you don't really know anything until that and it's filled in it's not like you say it's not an over this mystery that's still hanging over you after, after the film it does at least try to explain itself yeah. and it's like you said the... earlier about show don't tell so yeah. she gets she gets to see what's happening what they're really there for what they're what Benicio del Toro's character Alejandro, what he's actually doing, she sees yeah. it, and that creates real, real tension between the two, between the characters, because he buggers off in a car, she comes back, and like you said, she immediately punches Josh Brolin's character in the face. Um, I think he's called Ted in this, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. And she, so she punches him in the face, and is like, "I'm going to tell everyone what's happening here," you know, and he just goes, "Look, this is what's happening. This is the reality of it," you know. And she, this is why you're not going to tell anyone because I'm going to make a. Oh, he's called Matt, sorry, not Ted. I'm yeah. going to make a veiled threat <laughs> that would. Be, yeah, I think he says that would be a major mistake. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, and he's. You've like, seen us kill people, <laughs> and like you said, that there's a contrast 
at the start of the film where he's in the flip flops and he's dressed quite casual and he's and he's this kind of wise, smart kind of Alec sort of charming character who you know people just know he's he's doing serious work, and then you see the serious CIA agent in the full military fatigues, you know night vision goggles, thermal goggles on, you know dangerous weapon operating with um, special forces and you're like oh no this guy is not here to fuck around this yeah, is yeah, somebody yeah. who takes things very seriously um so at the cost of repeating myself i think we're going to move into favorite scenes now yeah that sounds good so what well, was... actually, before we do um were the things you didn't like about the film um yeah do you know what we'll get through we'll get we'll get into it in favorite scenes because okay i think okay. that's the natural place for it to cri- to maybe give it a bit of criticism sure so what would be your favourite scene, Hugh? Uh, so my favourite scene is the scene where they are in the traffic jam. I mean, have you ever seen a traffic jam so tense in your life? <laughs> so, it's yeah, amazing, isn't it? To yeah. not have a high-speed chase, but instead just have things... Every, everyone's around you. Do you, want to, do you want to explain the scene for us? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, um, in this convoy of black SUVs, they're extracting this... Um, drug lord from Mexico uh, to bring him in for interrogation and the characters around uh, Emily Blunt's character who accompanies these all these different intra-agency people so the US Marshals are effectively going in there to to make an arrest it's under kind of that's vaguely under their jurisdiction uh, it would seem because they're involved and they're the ones who put him in his their SUV and um, I think Alejandro says don't trust the state police they're not always on our side Josh Brolin's character says um, you know they're not gonna they won't hit us here at the facility or on the way to the facility they'll get us on the way out so you're kind of expecting some drama and some action to happen um, as they're going along there's a bit where you know they're all looking out for suspicious vehicles and then they get to the Mexico border at the US border and there's obviously more people are going into the US than uh, than you saw on the way in where it was free flee uh, free flowing traffic try saying that quickly and yeah, it's a few to say yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they're in this traffic jam and they spot like they spot cars with people in it that look suspicious and they see a gun and you just think oh there's hundreds of people around them in these cars you think all oh, hell's going to break loose and it, again it's just a great definition of a tense scene where you're like you know because it's it's quite early on in the film and you don't know which way the film's going to play out because it's, you know, it's a new property. You're not, sh- you know, it's not, you know, it's not a franchise film. So you're not like, well, everyone here is going to be fine. <laughs> you know, the only person, <laughs> it's reassuring. I, I mean, literally, the only person in that scene you're thinking is going to survive, I thought, was Emily Blunt because she's the main character. Mm, so yeah. I was like, everyone here is is up for debate in terms of their survival, and it kind of almost the film plays with you in that way because basically what happens is they all get out. And there's a shootout and all the Mexican drug dealers who are there trying to rescue their kingpin get murdered <laughs> by the US. You've got to say, some of them are a bit too conspicuous. Yeah, there's one guy <laughs> I mean, who's got tattoos on his face, isn't there? All over his face and he's there with a bunch of other guys who are just, you know, mean looking dudes. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, I, I think they could have planned that better. But yeah, really tense because you are looking out, you, the, you know, the camera is your eye in that case and you don't know who to trust and who not to trust and you go, am I racially profiling people here? Too late, they've got guns. Okay, let's shoot those people. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, and Emily Bunn's character is nearly shot by, uh, under, well... Uh, a state yeah, police cop, officer, yeah. state police, yeah. Yeah. Um, is that your favourite scene or do you have a different oh, scene? absolutely, yeah. I, I do love that scene. I think another one that parallel that um, uh, competes with it for that uh, favourite scene, I really like... Uh, almost the final scene, Benicio del Toro, when he gets to the compound, gets to the house of uh, of his old nemesis, the man who killed his wife and daughter. Um, very tense. Because very one bond. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he arrives it's and really they're, work, they're out. James, James Bond. Jesus. James. Juan. Oh, John. Anyway, yeah. Juan, it's his, uh, James Bond. It's his, it's his Spanish cousin. It's his brother's Spanish cousin. It's his brother's, yeah, yeah. Not his cousin, but his brother's. Anyway, Um, but yeah, so for some context, he arrives. It's the man who he knows killed his family, and he's there and he's eating dinner with his family. Benicio del Toro, he's, you know, he's been on a murderous rampage up until this point. He's here basically for revenge. That's that's his entire. um, MO, really. And uh, yeah, you, you know, as the viewer, that this guy's family are going to be killed. You don't know in what manner or when, 
Um, you, you know, and sort of everyone knows that as well. They speak in English because they know the children don't speak English, which adds another layer of intrigue and tension to it because, yeah, they can sort of speak openly without being too um, opaque about it. And then he shoots them. He shoots the, the, the two boys and, and the man's wife, and makes him watch it and then shoots him. Yeah. But really in, in a non, non-garish way, they're shot off screen. You just see their bodies on the floor. Yeah, there's a brilliant scene. There's a brilliant shot um, of like maybe a mid-range shot of Del Toro sat at the table and he's just kind of leaning on the table with his pistol pointed at them all and he just fires three shots really quickly and he's, there's no emotion on his face. Yeah. Nothing, nothing comes across. But the the as the audience, you're stunned because you, even though you know this guy's shady you, and you've just seen him kill a bunch of people, especially a character that you had invested time into as well, you know, who'd been shown to have a young son and a family man, and you know, living in tough conditions in Mexico and in Juarez, and all of a sudden this guy's just killed two children and a woman, and you're like, oh my god, this really is not. This kind of this ain't your grandpappy's drug board <laughs> films, you know. Um, so this is yeah. where I would say my only critique of the film, and it's more a critique than a criticism, is even though the best scene is the the traffic jam scene because it's early on and it ramps the tension up to eleven. This is probably the the most because you know it's coming to the end of the film. It's the it's it's. It's almost the more of the ten. It's the tenser of the two scenes, almost, because you know something's going to happen, but you're not entirely sure what's going to happen. And like I said, my only criticism is that this kind of the the conclusion of the film, really, of the story that you're watching, the narrative that you're watching, is by a support character and not by Emily Blunt's character. She's yeah, not involved yeah, in she, that scene. She doesn't. That's it. She doesn't grow. She doesn't really come to a resolution. She just See, now knows that she's got to watch her back the rest of her life. I do think she grows. This is where maybe you and me, you and I, differ on this. Is you mm. see, it's not so much growth, but degeneration. She goes from, like you said, being this upright, standing, moral sort of character to allowing these morally grey awful things to happen she she kind i don't think i don't know if she knows that he went and murdered this guy's family but she's clearly aware of what his plan is or she can make an educated guess to what he's really doing and that there is you know the film is called sicario at the end of the day so you know in spanish <laughs> or in Me- you know in mexican slang is hitman so it's yeah, which so it kind of comes quiz question down the down the toilet then <laughs> ah damn so yeah so i've got yeah, I'll save it myself. Um, so yeah, with that, you get that whole, you know, it's like, oh, I facilitated this man to go and kill, to be a hitman for mm. for the US, essentially. Um, and she, there's actually a great bit of um, mise-en-scene that they do in this film. So they basically, at the beginning, she's, you know, when she's in the, um, in the meeting with uh, Josh Brolin and her boss and mm-hmm. her, um, she's actually got a bright blue like denim shirt on. And as the film goes on, her shirt goes from being bright blue to being to slowly darkening into a colour of grey. And in the last scene, yeah. she's wearing a grey shirt. And in That's the last scene, yeah, so they're literally charting the 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 character's journey, so to speak, from uh, being yeah. I don't know what blue usually represents in these situations, but I think it's just the vibrancy that that colour has. Yeah, I was going to say, she's sort of more washed out, isn't she? She wears very plain t-shirts, even when she's out at the bar. Um, You sort of only notice it. You don't notice it when she's going to work, but you notice it when when she takes a guy home and you go, wow, she's very plainly dressed. Obviously a beautiful woman, but very plainly dressed sort of basic t-shirt. Yeah, you're right, I'm watching the last scene now, actually. And it is just, there's no colour in that at all. Yeah. I I like little decisions like that. Yeah, because they're so nuanced that you don't notice them unless they're pointed out, or you. Yeah, you sort of, your brain picks them up somewhere, doesn't it? it yeah, it kind of fits. If she was wearing, you know, rainbow-coloured tie or you know tie-dye, you'd be like, that doesn't seem to fit her <laughs> mood at this point. Um, yeah. yeah, that's good spot, well done. Yeah, well, I can't take credit for it. Unfortunately, it was I saw it. I saw it on a video on YouTube, but there are no uh, original ideas on the "Please Watch This" podcast. It seems um, <laughs> that was our one one shot. Yeah, but, uh, I, well, I got to be um, honest. You know, I don't, I don't want to lie to the audience and take credit for something. We I never didn't lie to the audience. We yep. never do. It's not um, something. It's not in our nature, Sam, is it? 
No, no, no. It's, we're not. So, we're like Thomas Jefferson. Although people who do, <laughs> so people uh, who do lie. Um, what is your favourite line of this film? That's good. That's good. Uh, very much from a liar, Benicio Torres character, where uh, quite early in the film, when uh, Emily Blunt is asking him all kinds of questions about the cartels and so on, and he says, "You're asking me how a watch works. For now, let's just keep our eye on the time." And it's him ducking the question, but there's a lovely bit of poetry to it. He gets some fantastic lines in this film, and uh, and it sort of matches the the turn of the film. Really, you know, it's not about kind of how it works or whatever. It's about being pragmatic. Uh, you know, a, a pragma, pragmatism over idealism essentially is what it is. You know, they they're not trying to live in utopia; they're just trying to make the best of what they've got. Yeah, and these these situations like this, it's such an unusual conflict, really, because it's not about the two states trying to control territory. It's about one set of people trying to control a supply of something that's illegal and another into another state, and that other state having such an immense power of law enforcement that it can tr- it's trying to stop it and therefore it causes violent escalation and how yeah, do it's you curious it's some, something the, that's resolvable it's the beauty of it that it's not good and good and evil because essentially Emily Blunt Josh Brolin Benicio del Toro they've all got essentially the same objective which is kind of less death less, or at least Josh Brolin and Emily Blunt's character you know less death less drug trafficking and all that sort of stuff it's just that Emily Blunt is the idealist and Josh Brolin is but the pragmatist in this in this scenario. He's he's willing to do the immoral things because he's trying to do it for the greater good. He's not evil because he wants to have his own empire or anything like that. He wants what she wants. It's just that she wants to do it by the book. And I think mm. that's so much better than having well, these are the American cops, FBI guys, and these are the drug you know, Mexican drug cartels. Those are the guys, those are the bad guys. There we go. Sort it out in ninety minutes. Um, we'll hold your hand all the way through it. It's a lot better than that. I mean, I've been, I've done a little bit of research and found out that it's really not a true depiction at all uh, of anything. In this case, the, the cartels, the, the borders, anything like that, which is unfortunate, but it feels real. Um, and that reality is because it's blurry and it's and it's grey. So, um, is there any other lines that stood out for you? Um, no, that was the that was the big one. I, like, there was one I mentioned earlier, which was there's there's keeping us in the dark, and there's what you're doing to us. And I thought that kind of summed up Daniel Kaluuya's Emily Blunt's character. But there are a lot of really good lines. I mean, Josh Brolin is very sardonic and ironic and and cool and witty. Um, when she says, "What's the mission? Or what you you know? What's the plan?" and he says to um, dramatically overreact, <laughs> which I thought was great. Yeah. It's, it's just very ironic and, and cool. What was your favorite line? Um, so my favorite line was again from Benicio del Toro's character Alejandro when he's at the dinner. Sorry, when he's talking to Emily Blunt at the end and he's threatening her. Essentially, what happens is he goes because they because they needed her as an FBI agent, as I mentioned before, to to um, condone their actions, they have, she has to sign a letter that says um, everything was above board and legal, essentially, in their operation. And obviously, she, her conflict as a character is none of this was above board and none of this was legal and they went and murdered people on, on US time, essentially, on federal time. Um, and... Uh, Benicio del Toro says to her, you should move to a small town where the rule of law still exists. You will not survive here. You are not a wolf. And this is the land of wolves now. What we're going to do after the break is we're going to hear Hugh's rating. We're going to hear the critic's response. And we're going to have a little wee quiz about this here film that I quickly need to rewrite because uh, we basically covered all the questions in our conversation. So join us after the break and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Welcome back to Please Watch This Podcast and That. Um, we're going to find out <laughs> and that. who's rating Please watch this first and that. of all. <laughs> watch this, a bit of this, a bit of that. <laughs> if I didn't have to put like change the stationery or whatever, we, we'd change the name of the podcast to that. Um, not that we have, you know, stationery that we've... Anyway, um, Hugh, Wait, what, how many what anonymous... The, what happened with the stationery <laughs> request that we made? The, the I don't know, the, the truck fell off the road? No, not again. I know, it's... We really shouldn't have annoyed those mobsters. Yeah. See? Look, just because you're from Romania doesn't mean you're a mobster. <laughs> but in this case, they were. The Bulgarians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this case, they were. <laughs> and now, 
now they're uh, taking out on our uh, paper clips. You know how hard it is to get please watch this ingrained onto a paper clip? Easier than you think. Yeah. And that, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so my rating, what was what what my rating? How many how many anonymous henchmen's widows out of ten? How many Smithies out of ten, essentially? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Smithy can't be here because he's working late over at Doctor Evil's (laughs) corporation. We'd see a lot of Silvio's family in this. So quite, you know, yeah. we know his son plays football and all this sort of stuff. We know he's an alcoholic. Um, so yeah, how many out of ten would you give? It to uh, yeah, I'd give it a seven. It's a solid, solid. It's a solid seven. Seven out of ten. Yeah, I think I'd probably go for an eight, but I'm in that same ballpark. Very enjoyable. Really well made. Not going to trouble your top twenty films. It just lacks a little something. I think. I think. Yeah. I, I think maybe. That fact that it did have an exciting end, but ultimately the wrong character had the exciting end, if that makes sense. Yeah, that might be it. Maybe we weren't really that invested in his... It was only a scene earlier that we'd found out that his family were killed by Fausto. So, yeah, I think that's fair. It's kind of the ending that logically came from the events of the film, but... Yeah, not there was you know there was no I mean I think I'm right in saying Josh Brolin's last appearance in the film is just when they come out of the tunnel. There's no kind of resolution to his story other than he's finally telling Kate the the purpose of their mission. Yes, you're right. No, he doesn't really appear again, does he? That's correct. Mm. Yeah, that is odd. I'm really intrigued to watch the sequel. Neither of us have seen that. Obviously, no. it'd be weird if you had. Yeah, um, it's unusual that film gets a sequel get made to made to a film that doesn't have the same director and cinematographer and all the same yeah. cast. I think the only person who's pretty similar on this is they've got uh, Del Toro and uh, Brolin back. The same writers still doing it, so he clearly wanted to make a sequel and. You know, he made it's not as bad as film. the the son of Mask, where it had nobody involved from the film The Mask with Jim Carrey. It just had um, Jamie Kennedy. Uh, just an awful film, a really awful film. Yeah, please don't watch that. Please don't watch that. Yeah. Um, Do you know how hard it is to get that ingrained onto a paperclip? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just PDT. Uh, please watch this. Please. Yeah. P- PWT. Yeah, it's I've intrig- been saying BDT a lot with Benicio Del Toro, it, so I've got that in my yeah. head. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I see. I call him BLT just because, you know, That's I'm ignorant, ignorant anglophile. Malaprism. Yeah. yeah, why not? Um, yeah. So, critics-wise... Uh, what did the they score say? Metacritic. So? Yeah, what, what, Ooh, uh, what do you reckon would be the meta score? I think it'd be... Roughly about a seven, maybe as high as a seven point five, maybe. I don't think you're not far off. Not far. Not the critics actually quite liked it. Eighty two. Oh right, that was, was a bit. Off, it, I think it's it sort of helps by having star by It helps by having someone like Roger Deakins, who's you know probably the most famous cinematographer going, and should have won an Oscar, you know, years before he finally won it for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That sort of thing kind of helps. Um, Todd McCarthy in The Hollywood Reporter. Now, it's weird with Metacritic when you look at their list because it says 100% when you can look at the the review and it wouldn't necessarily say that. But a very positive 100% from Todd McCarthy in The Hollywood Reporter. He says, Shot in New Mexico, the production has been superbly decked out in every department, but special note must be made of the brilliantly idiosyncratic and disturbing score by Icelandic composer Johan Johansson, which cranks up the unease of key scenes with an electronic bass wallow that then descends to seemingly impossible depths of apocalyptic dread. There uh, is a lot is, of apocalyptic dread in this film. Yeah, but, a the, deep sense of dread. Yeah, The longer the note, the deeper the dread. Which is interesting because it's not a film dealing with the apocalypse. Um, no, not in any sort of real sense or uh, allegorical sense. <laughs> That's why I said it. But, but it has that dread. Um, on the other side, we've got Amy Nicholson um, from Voice, which is some sort of online publication. Negative review, 40% they gave it. Mother um, blockers. <laughs> they said, I left the film sickened and scrambled, much as I did Villeneuve's uh, previous films, Prisoners, and the double Gyllenhaal head-scratcher Enemy. Villeneuve's proven he's got a strong punch. The trouble is, he barely aims. Now, is that just saying that because that's quite a good... That is quite a good line, that. You know that somebody packs a strong punch, but they they barely aim. What does that mean? I couldn't really figure out from the rest of the review, to be honest. I mean, is it is she saying that that because it asks more questions than it delivers, that 
then it's not a true aim or it's not a... Yeah, like, it's not making enough of a point about the whole war on drugs and the Mexican cartels that, you know, it kind of does descend from this sort of, I don't know, this, like, procedural about the, the, the human conflict to kind of a revenge film, ultimately, maybe. Maybe that's maybe, maybe but, she doesn't like but, that aspect of it. Or is it that he's not aiming high enough and that it's is taking something too easy, but at the same time, it's it is more complicated than that. I think it? it's not just, just a simple crime drama. I, no, it's not. I mean, a bad film wouldn't have Silvio's character, the character of Silvio in it. Yeah, they might show you the cost. You know, they would do something silly like they'd have a kid cross the road and get shot by a stray bullet. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. mum would run out and hold it family, and go, yeah. "Why, God, why do you take my <laughs> child?" Where with this, they just show the relationship of a man and his son and. They build and build and build, and then you don't get a, you know, there's some sacrifice has to be made in this film, and that's the character that truly you get seen making the sacrifice, you know, and that is the human cost of this conflict. I don't know, Sam, why she would have that opinion. Yeah, I think I, I don't mean I, I don't agree with it, but it's nice to have nice to have other views, isn't yeah, it? It gives sometimes. us something to rebut as well, especially when we both yeah. agree. Yeah, exactly. What, yeah, we do, need you, a what do you think? Anything more than she? She's just saying that he hasn't he hasn't been specific enough or aimed high enough or I don't really know. Maybe maybe it ties hand in hand with it, the fact that it's it is somewhat forgettable. Maybe there's a there needs to be a bigger set piece or a bigger something. I really don't know. I think it, you know we praise the dialogue f- f- in this film for its realism and its um, you know and its acuteness and its astuteness as well. Quite frankly, but. There isn't that many memorable lines in the film. I think maybe she might have wanted more, more dialogue where it's making maybe, a point. But it's, not, it's certainly not a criticism I'd make of this film relative to most films. I think it's got wittier dialogue and more memorable lines than the average film, um, especially the average film that's like this. It's not a film that cuts at like some films try to go well. What? here's the impact of something and it'll just cut away randomly and then you'll mm. be left going, well, I want more of that scene, what happened after or what's still going away. Is the... This doesn't really happen in this film and films that tend to be dramatic tend to use that device to crank the tension and the drama and they they let you, like you say, they'll let your imagination do some of the showing. Where with this, you, you know, every scene has a satisfying ending. Even yeah, if and it's, it's not the fact what you that they want. said... They said I left the film sickened and scrambled, and I thought I don't know what whether that's sickened by the the by the sort of material, source material and the content and well, the, like the violence and, and... Oh, the yeah. Is it, I mean, I don't know. When I see something like that, I left the film sickened. I think it sounds like a bit of a Christian voice <laughs> kind of uh, I think, response to it. I think a lesser film, the violence would seem voyeuristic and yeah. explicit. Where in this, it's it's impactful. And it's designed yeah. to to elicit it the linger. response that you want. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't unnecessarily linger on something uh, without good reason. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the critic. So overall, generally very positive, eighty two percent as a sale Metacritic. Shall we find out whether or not you paid much attention to it? Let's hope I get eight, more than eighty two percent on the quiz. <laughs> Let's see. So you need to get more than four out of five. Wait, so, wait, wait. Hang we... on. <laughs> <laughs> That was my machine gun impression, by the way. Yeah, it's good. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, so why why are you doing five questions, Sam? Why Where's the seven, Sam? After last week <sighs> and me doing seven questions. It's a lot more work. And to be honest, I, all the questions came up with the too easy. They're too easy. So I've struggled to get some challenge in there. So five, and it really is for our listeners, really it's to keep our um, runtime down so we can get it on YouTube easier. <laughs> so let's let's stick with five, shall we? Okay. So, um, that I originally suggested at the very beginning of this podcast, just making that Yeah, point. you know what? I mean, I think you once said, you know, what's a mind if it's not for changing? And I like to live my life by your phrases. So question one. We know that Sicario means hitman in Mexico, obviously. Um, but according to the title card, where does the word Sicario come from? <laughs> uh, it comes from the Middle East. Uh, from... Um, Sorry, where? <laughs> not what's the language. Bugger. What's it called? Um, Hebrew. Hebrew, thank you. Yes, yeah, it's he- meant to be he- of Hebrew origin. Mm, can you tell me more? 
uh, it means hitman in Hebrew, and then <laughs> through. No, so it's uh, the zealots of Jerusalem. Oh yeah, kill- killers mm. who hunted the Romans who invaded their homeland. So I'll give you, I'll give you eighty-two percent of a point. There. I'll give you point eight two. Um, question two: Where does Kate work at the start of the film? As in, like geographically, in the US, where is she working? She is. You, you can give her the city and or the state. In this, they're in New Mexico. No, no they're in te- New Mexico. No, oh, oh gosh! It tells you right at the beginning of the film. It actually says it on screen. And then Josh Brolin's character says to her, "You know, you were doing nothing in." Like he's trying to say why she came on the mission. I don't remember. I'm f- nope, Sam, it's gone. I can't remember. It's Phoenix, Arizona. Fucking Phoenix! <laughs> I knew it as soon as you said it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. really frustrated me that I didn't get that one right. I'm just frantically writing another question. Here we go, I've got it. Uh, question three. I'll tell you what it was going to be. It was going to be, to what area does Brolin's character, Matt, tell Kate they're going for their initial mission? Which, of course, is... Um, El Paso, Texas. El Paso. Uh, but they end up going to Juarez. So what it is instead is, to what does Daniel Kaluuya's character compare Kate's eyebrows? Caterpillars. God damn it, yeah. <laughs> They're like caterpillars like wild beasts. Yeah. And he's criticising her appearance and uh, hygiene. So I think you so far you've got them all. Oh no, you've missed one. Um, uh, question four. How much of Diaz's money do they seize? How much money? When they, uh, when they go to the bank. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a heck of a lot. I don't know, Sam. No, 17 million. Five, question five, last one. Uh, what does Alejandro don't say before he name, shoots Fausto's family? Don't call my Alejandro, Alejandro. That was playing in the background. Can you imagine? <laughs> um, he says, it. time to meet God. <laughs> well done. Very good. I got three. Very I did good. not get so 82%. Three, I think, of those five. No. So we'll say we got four out of six, because there was technically six questions there. What's that? Four out of six. Quick mental maths is... Um, uh, probably what is that? Uh, sixteen times six is that sixteen? So it's about sixteen, and then your times four by is about sixteen and a bit. That's obviously forties. No, you didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Could have just told you that. Did not get it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's the quiz. That's Sicario. You know, I'm glad you liked it. I'm. It didn't feel like a film that you c- could properly dislike it felt like a film that you might be slightly underwhelmed by or whatever but i didn't i didn't expect a, a four out of ten or anything i think it could me, have so had a little bit more action but it does have that amazing night vision thermal goggled scene and the action in it's yeah, realistic it could, it could have been cheapened but it could have been cheapened by a bigger shootout well, yeah stuff, well, well at least the action in this film realistic because it it kind of goes from you see it from her point of view in the tunnels and it's quite scary and you hear gunfighting in the background and and then it goes cuts to del toro who's you know, you the only thing you really know about him is that he was a public prosecutor in Mexico, and he's mm, that was that was tempted to be one of those questions, but I think that's a bit too yeah obvious part of his character. And yeah. then, it, but then he turns out to be this stone cold assassin, just offing mm, henchmen yeah. and people's families. It, I mean, it would be an interesting film if it was about him. Yes, you know, it's kind of like The Punisher, yeah, or something like that. You know, kind of families killed goes through all this to uh, yeah to. Because that would have made the denouement make more sense. Yeah, yeah. It? I mean, there's all. I mean, he could almost be a bit like the character from a recent um, film by with the actor who Michael Fassbender, <laughs> whose name I could not remember there for a second, uh, where he plays a, a lawyer um, and he ends up working. Oh well, he gets forced to work for the cartels uh, in somewhere in the south of America, and uh, there's a horrible thing that happens to his. You know, to somebody he knows, and you know, maybe he could be a bit of an extension of that. If anyone uh, can remember that film, right. uh, some sort of yeah, I think it's called. I think it, I think it's literally the called the lawyer. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's got anything yeah. more than that. Uh, let's check the lawyer. See, this is me actually. <laughs> Man checking IMDb on his phone. Is it the accountant or is it the? Do chef? you know what? It could be the account. Or it could be the accountant actually. Ratatouille. No, that's uh, Ben Affleck. Oh, it's the counselor. That's it. The counselor. Oh, is that the one with uh, Javier Bardem? Um, oh, is yes. That, I'm thinking of something yeah, else. Yeah, it's got Javier Bardem. Yeah, it's got Penelope Cruz in it. I actually don't remember it having Cameron Diaz in it, but she's in it. 
Yeah, I remember seeing ads or trailers or posters for that and thinking, oh, that looks like a great cast. It was a decent film, and then, uh, not amazing. I think Kermo didn't like it or something, so I never got around to watching it. Um, so we've done the, we've done Sicario, we've done this big thing. Maybe in the future we'll do the sequel. Neither of us have seen it. Maybe if I watch it and it's great, then we will. But you know, we'll smoke from. We'll take it as it goes. What we're we going to do next week, Hugh? So we're going to shift tones somewhat. Because, uh, you know, again, on this podcast, we like to recommend classics to one another as well that neither of us have seen. You know, so far I've watched 12 Angry Men. I've seen It's a Wonderful Life. Sam saw Empire Strikes Back. He saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. So we're going to dip our toes back into some uh, good old-fashioned classic 80s uh, filmmaking. And we're going to do uh, the James Cameron classic Aliens. Turns out Sam hasn't seen Aliens. Aliens. With Sigourney Weaver. I think so. (laughs) Maybe I'll watch it and be like, oh yeah, I've definitely seen every frame of this. (laughs) Well, let's pretend that you haven't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're going to do that. Uh, Sam, what do you know about it? I don't know much other than than Riley's back. It's been a long time since I saw the first one, so... You know, I know that Sigourney Weaver's character, Riley, survives it. I think she's the only... Well, she's one of the very few survivors. Um, and it, I've seen a lot of video essays, because a lot of video essays do reference it, the alien saga. Is this going to be so a might... bit like with It's a Wonderful Life, is you kind of know the outcome before you've seen it, because it's so heavily referenced in pop culture that it's hard yeah, not a little to see. So bit. you're going to kind of watch this with more historical slash critical eyes, rather than, you know, maybe take... a a 2020 perspective of a an 80s film you know yeah it could be that i mean it's because i'm pretty sure uh, ripley i said riley didn't i i'm pretty sure ripley um uh survives this and then she's um cloned or she's in cryo sleep or something either between one and two or between two and three or something like that i know that the bill is it bill paxton's no not bill is it bill paxton it is yeah bill paxton yeah i know he's I think he's killed off off screen either at the start of this one or then I think it's the, probably the next one. Um, so I know little little snippets of half forgotten bits of information. I really don't know much more. So I am looking forward to watching it. I might try and if I've got time, I might try and fit in the first one again this week just to remind myself of uh, what the hell happened in that film. Well, um, go from there. Really, I do. I do like the first one. I don't love it, but I, I do like it. Fair enough. So that's yeah. so that's what we're going to do next week. Look forward to it. Um, Hugh, if they want to get in touch with us, how might they go about doing right, that? Right, Sam. So what they need to do is they, they've got two options. They can either okay. join the FBI or they can join a Mexican right. drug cartel. It's up to them. They can or choose. CIA? Are they, could, they, could they join the CIA? No, that get them no they can't. Never, <laughs> never join the CIA. What would you, what'd you take us right. from? Mad Men on this podcast? God, the CIA. <laughs> So, so join a Mexican drug yeah, cartel, yes. obviously. So join a Mexican uh, Mexican drug cartel. Blood, blood yeah, cartel, yeah. Yeah, one that specifically handles human blood rather than drugs. <laughs> yeah. uh, join a Mexican drug cartel. Then I want you to move to Juarez, obviously. You need to become mm-hmm. quite high up mm-hmm. in the organisation. You then need to get a joint operation by the FBI, the CIA, the marshals, uh, the army. Um, they need to come and collect you. Um, and then when you're being interrogated in a very um, aggressive manner by a random uh, Mexican um, person, I want you to give them a message and then get them to email us right. in. Yes, that's good. And we... That's the only way they can do it. No other way. Right. If the internet existed, though, (laughs) and they could email us, is there an email address they could get in touch with us? I just said no. Did you not listen? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Good. Well, I'll see you all next week. (laughs) So, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us about this film or any other film that we've uh, reviewed here on Please Watch This, you can contact us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. I'll repeat that one more time for those in the back who weren't listening. Mm, You know, Mrs. Mrs. Sinclair, listen up now. Stop stop with the carrots. Uh, It's pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Fantastic. And what I'd like to encourage them to do if they listen to this before the next episode comes out is tell us what you know about aliens. What do you think of aliens? If you do mention that to us um, via email or social medias, then uh, we'll have the to film know. aliens, not just aliens in general. Just, just oh, to be if you want to talk about aliens, <laughs> just generally aliens, that's fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll Sam, where else mm. other than now YouTube can our fans interact with us? 
Our well, adoring uh, masses. Hello. Adoring, Hello, adoring masses, masses of fans. Hello, adoring masses. Um, they can get with, uh, in touch with us on Twitter at Please Watch Pod. Um, we do have a subreddit. Very little has been done with it so far, but we, we are on on Reddit. We're on Facebook at Please Watch Pod as well. So all kinds of routes. We tend to be better on Twitter than any other. So that would be my recommendation to you, the listener. And um, we look forward to hearing from yep. you. Okay then. I think that does about does cool. it, doesn't it? Well, that's it. We love you guys. Thanks for uh, persisting and yeah. maintaining and he listening. Loves and uh, yeah, tell your friends. Yeah, if, if you, you have any. Yeah, tell a friend that you love them first, and then. Well, I mean, tell them about. You the have show. to do that. I mean, yeah, they, they might not be your friend because they'd be like, "Why are you telling me this?" I thought we'd. Uh, uh, but if you if you yeah, exactly, you know if you're so. feeling that way inclined, if you're a bit if you're feeling emotionally, you you know you you want to put you know, give a friend a hug, and then be like. Please watch this, the podcast. Just whisper it lovingly in their ear. Just look after yourselves, everyone, and uh, and everyone else. Look after them. Yeah. Anyway, be nice to one, be awesome to one another. All right, take care. We'll talk at you next. See week. you next week. Bye. Bye.